0: Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Kings chapter 13 from the World English Bible. Behold, a man of God came out of Judah by Yahweh's word to Bethel, and Jeroboam was standing by the altar to burn incense. He cried against the altar by Yahweh's word and said, Altar, altar, Yahweh says, Behold, a son will be born to David's house, Josiah by name. On you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and they will burn men's bones on you. He gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which Yahweh has spoken. Behold, the altar will be split apart, and the ashes that are on it will be poured out. When the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, Jeroboam put out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him. His hand, which he put out against him, dried up, so that he could not draw it back again to himself. The altar was also split apart, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by Yahweh's word. The king answered the man of God, Now intercede for the favor of Yahweh your God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored me again. The man of God interceded with Yahweh, and the king's hand was restored to him again, and became as it was before. The king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. The man of God said to the king, Even if you gave me half of your house, I would not go in with you, neither would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by Yahweh's word, saying, You shall eat no bread, drink no water, and don't return by the way that you came. So he went another way and didn't return by the way that he came to Bethel. Now an old prophet lived in Bethel, and one of his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. Their father said to them, Which way did he go? Now his sons had seen which way the man of God went, who came from Judah. He said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode on it. He went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. He said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? He said, I am. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. He said, I may not return with you, nor go in with you. I will not eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For it was said to me by Yahweh's word, You shall eat no bread or drink water there, and don't turn again to go by the way that you came. He said to him, I also am a prophet as you are, and an angel spoke to me by Yahweh's word, saying, Bring him back with you into your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. He lied to him. So he went back with him, ate bread in his house, and drank water. As they sat at the table, Yahweh's word came to the prophet who brought him back, and he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Yahweh says, Because you have been disobedient to Yahweh's mouth and have not kept the commandment which Yahweh your God commanded you, but came back and have eaten bread and drank water in the place of which he said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water, your body will not come to the tomb of your fathers. After he had eaten bread and after he drank, he saddled the donkey for the prophet whom he had brought back. When he had gone, a lion met him by the way and killed him. His body was thrown on the path, and the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by the body. Behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown on the path, and the lion standing by the body, and they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. When the prophet who brought him back from the way heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient to Yahweh's mouth. Therefore Yahweh has delivered him to the lion, which has mauled him, and slain him according to Yahweh's word, which he spoke to him. He said to his sons, saying, Saddle the donkey for me. And they saddled it. He went and found his body thrown on the path, and the donkey and the lion standing by the body. The lion had not eaten the body, nor mauled the donkey. The prophet took up the body of the man of God and laid it on the donkey and brought it back. He came to the city of the old prophet to mourn and to bury him. He laid his body in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother! After he had buried him, he spoke to his sons, saying, When I am dead, bury me in the tomb in which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying which he cried by Yahweh's word against the altar in Bethel, and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria, will surely happen. After this thing, Jeroboam didn't return from his evil way, but again made priests of the high places from among all the people. Whoever wanted to, he consecrated him, that there might be priests of the high places. This thing became sin to the house of Jeroboam even to cut it off and to destroy it from off the surface of the earth. That is the end of chapter 13. Wow, and some people say the Bible is boring. We have splitting altars and withering arms and lions. It is curious that neither of the prophets in this section are named. One thing this does highlight is that God has more than one prophet around, and we will find out that Ahijah, the prophet, is still around later. Since he is named both before and after this, I think we can safely assume that neither of these prophets are him. The altar in question here is clearly one that Jeroboam rebelliously set up for the golden calves he made, as referred to in chapter 12, verse 29. So not only did he tell the people to worship there, but he is actively worshiping, even though he knew he had made the idols. But that is always the case with idols. People know that they have made them. And I refer you again to Isaiah forty-four fifteen, 15. And this is talking about making wooden idols, but it obviously represents all man-made gods. Josiah shows up in 2 Kings twenty-three fifteen to fulfill the prophecy that is spoken of here. I looked up dates in the chronology of the Old Testament by Dr. Floyd Nolan Jones, and I found that Jeroboam began reigning in 975 B.C., and Josiah becomes king in 640 B.C., so it will be just over 335 years later when this prophecy is fulfilled by Josiah. It seems worth mentioning that What Josiah did was take some bones out of the tombs. Yes, he did kill some of the heathen priests, but there were not human sacrifices made. The burning of the priest's bones were meant to defile the altar in the eyes of the worshippers so that they wouldn't use it anymore. That this would happen through a king of Judah from the house of David is notable considering Jeroboam's attempt to isolate his kingdom to avoid having his people want to go back under the rule of Judah. And so that backfires on him. In verse 4, it talks about his hand drying up, which probably means losing all its strength, not having life. Whether or not this visibly shriveled is beside the point. God is striking at the representation of Jeroboam's kingly authority. And although it is dramatic, it is actually merciful restraint, considering what Jeroboam has done. Recall in Deuteronomy 17, verses 1 through 7. God clearly lays out that idolaters should be stoned to death, should be killed to rid the land of evil. So Jeroboam should have taken this opportunity to repent, especially after his hand was graciously restored. Here, he could try one more time to be a godly king. And it's an interesting example of another time when a king or a person of power offered a gift to a prophet for his services and was refused. This is probably to avoid the appearances of things that might confuse people. And maybe it's because there was no point of accepting it. Uh, For instance, in the book of Daniel, when Belshazzar offers Daniel all those gifts, Belshazzar is going to die. In 2 Kings 5.16, Elisha heals Naaman and is offered gifts, but Elisha refuses So in this particular section, the first prophet was distinctly from Judah, again, a slap in the face to Jeroboam, and a reason to try and win him over politically with giving this gift. The second old prophet actually lived in Bethel, and he is an odd character. He doesn't seem to be sent by God. There is no reason apparent for him to be tricking this other man this way. And it states outright that he did lie, which confirms him not being sent by God. But he seems so nice. He's just giving the guy something that he needs. The guy's tired and hungry. Doesn't seem so important to stop and eat something, does it? And he had a reputation of being a prophet. But the first prophet had heard clearly from God what he was to do. He should have been faithful to the direction that he knew. So the first prophet was choosing to disregard instructions that were very clearly a part of his mission, kind of like Moses was only supposed to speak to the rock the second time, and he ended up not being able to go into the promised land because of it, because representing God is very important. And in this, this instance, also, it was very public the first prophet had stated all of these things to Jeroboam about him not stopping to eat or drink. So, for him to disregard what he had already stated as God's word puts God's reputation at stake and is actually, in essence, he cursed himself. The circumstances of his death are very unique and also give evidence that he did speak God's message. It is emphasized that there was this quite unnatural behavior of the lion who did nothing but kill the first prophet, didn't eat him, and didn't harm the donkey, and apparently stuck around to proclaim the oddity. Judging by the timeline, the lion was there for quite a bit, and he didn't seem bothered by the old prophet taking the body of the first prophet away. In verse 31, the old prophet verifies the first prophet's words— Probably kind of a natural conclusion from observing everything, along with his own prophecy that he proclaimed that was part of the whole picture, and his response is to believe the words of God. Jeroboam's response is to continue to do evil and even to intensify his efforts in doing things completely contrary to how Yahweh had designated things in the law of Moses, and the result will be that his lineage will be cut off from the surface of the earth. Sin leads to death. Thanks for listening. See you next time. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey.